um, as my Ron mentioned that it was messy. Some sometimes it's messy and inconvenient. And this morning our, our kids, my kids, woke up and uh, they're not feeling well. It was messy and uh, very inconvenient. <laughs> and we prayed for for Lilia, and then um, I prayed for. I put my hand on her tummy, and then she said. And after she says, no, I'm feeling better. Where's God? <laughs> Pray for that God would make her feel better. Where is he? <laughs> I, think, I, think, I think, honestly, uh, I love my daughter. I think she um, just wanted to say she feels better so that she could come to church today. Because <laughs> so, directly afterwards, she did not feel well again. <laughs> so it's a privilege um, to share with you this morning what I feel God is saying, and it's, um, it is a follow-up on a series, uh, essentially, but uh, that series has been interrupted um, by God, which is uh, good, and I think it all um, fits in together nonetheless. Um, I started off a couple of weeks ago um, about saying how Jesus called these disciples to follow Him, and in the same way, there are people that God um, has called you uh, to to ask to come along on the journey that you are with. And in a sense, not that they follow you like Jesus, like they, that we should follow Jesus, but that there will be a measure that you uh, will be leading them um, and that they will follow what it is that God is doing in you. And um, the title of what I, this, uh, the next one is You Feed Them. And I think it's very uh, fitting that this morning we spoke about each other's fridges um, you know, because, uh, you know, we could be feeding each other from, from our fridges. But uh, as some of us might know, maybe in Cape Town, the fridge has the highest prized possessions. But some of us know that the freezer is where the true gems are held. <laughs> so some, some, maybe some of you have got locks on your freezer. And uh, I'll come and do a house visit and we can inspect the freezer together. And, um, but yeah... I, it's also just a picture, you know, all of us need to be fed physically, um, you know, but if eventually all that food's going to run out. Eventually it will never be enough. And God is calling us, Jesus wants you to feed and give people an eternal food, something that can't run out, something that there is no end of the supply. And uh, I trust that through just something short that we share today that, that God will speak to you to help you to, to just reinvigorate a love for Jesus. I think if, if, any, if you don't hear anything today, just hear that you need to love Jesus. Um, we're going to read from Matthew, Matthew 14, verse 13. I'm going to read through the, the whole uh, story. And then we'll go through it. Now, when Jesus heard this, uh, John the Baptist being beheaded, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the town. So Jesus went by boat, and somehow these crazy people heard about it and decided, let's, let's go on foot. Let's go find where Jesus is going. When he went ashore... So when he got by boat to the other side, wherever he was going, behold, a great crowd. 
and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Now, when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, this is a desolate place. Uh, I think if you go walk up uh, the mountain here, yeah, you will find very little food, unless you're incredibly creative. Uh, this is a desolate place, and the day is now over. Send the crowds away to go into the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, they need not go away. You give them something to eat. They said to him, we have only five loaves here and two fish. And he said, bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass, and taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds. And they all ate and were all satisfied, and they took up 12 baskets full of the broken pieces um, left over. I'm going to stop there, and I think a lot of us know the story. Um, we've heard it a number of times, but I want to use... Uh, this particular miracle, this particular story in the Bible to frame for us a way in which when we walk with people, when we walk this uh, journey together and there are others alongside us, and even just following Jesus, how the type of conversation and the type of processes that you're going to have. I want to use this story, I'm going to highlight four or five events, and I want and I want us to use it as a framework, as a picture to when we are following Jesus, we need these, there are key ingredients that need to be there for us uh, to follow him. And then essentially to be able to feed others. Uh, so number one is in verse 13 and 14, Jesus, he withdraws. He hears of a, I assume a person he loved John the Baptist that obviously prayed for him. I think Jesus is fond of him. Not that he had uh, possibly many interactions that we know of in the, in the Bible, but I'm sure he was a cousin. <laughs> and this, he had just been beheaded. And so obviously he's sad and he's withdrawn to a lonely place. And the Bible tells us that Jesus often withdrew to lonely places to pray. And in the midst of him trying to grieve, trying to get to God, trying to find solace in God, trying to pray, a crowd um, approaches, a crowd finds him. Hungry people find him. People who are hungry for the spiritual food that, that Jesus has been giving. Hungry to find out more about who this person Jesus is that is performing miracles and teaching uh, things that they had never heard before. And the first, uh, so verse 13 and 14, this whole picture is about you have to be where Jesus is. None of this, none of this works if, God, if you're not around God, if you are not in Jesus' vicinity, if you are not in his presence, you cannot follow him. If you are not looking for where he is going, you cannot follow him. You might feel far, you might not know where, exactly where he is, but you are searching and seeking for him in your heart. And that may mean that you will have to end up going to a desolate place. God might lead you to a very low place, um, to a very stressful place. You might find God there. 
God might be withdrawing to that place so that you can find him. Um, you know, and, and this mountain, for example, it's been, paths have been laid out. There's a road. Um, so you can follow a road, and it's very easy to get up the mountain. And I think definitely on my Christian journey, um, I've, gotten, I've gotten far on the mountain, but a lot of the tracks that I've followed have been tracks that have been laid before me already. And sometimes God goes somewhere where there might not be a single track or you know, a gravel road or even a tar road. You know, and the terrain gets treacherous, and you have to start walking all the more, sl- all more slowly, um, and then you might take a wrong turn. You might have to find directions. You might have to, um, you know, turn around and try to find again. But you know that God is on that mountain. You know that Jesus is there, and we know we need to be where Jesus is. So. You cannot feed those in your facility spiritual food if you are not finding Jesus. And then interestingly, in verse 15, we can read it again. Uh, Now when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the day is now over. Send the crowds away to go into the villages and buy food for themselves. I don't know about you, but I think that's a great idea. <laughs> the people are hungry. You know, we've all had it. We've had a great time. We've listened to Jesus. You know, he's opened up. He's taught us things. He's, we've seen miracles. This has been wonderful. Let's not all starve here <laughs> and die of thirst. Let's go, let's go get some food, and maybe we can reconvene this meeting a bit later. Um, and, and, you know, and the disciples front-footed, you know, you know, great leadership, the displays of leadership and forethought, you know, well-planned, you know, Jesus, we can't let these people die here on the mountain, because uh, then they can't tell anyone else about what you've done. So, and many times uh, we are confronted daily, hourly, with situations where, you know, we could just do a very, we could just do a very good thing. We could just have a good idea. Uh, we could just have a good structure. We could have a, a, you know, a history of this is how we've done it before, and this is what works. Uh, this is what all the other guys are doing. Uh, this is what that congregation is doing. Um, let's just do that. And in this case, in this particular case, Jesus was not interested in that idea. Um, Jesus was not in it. And if they had not been in Jesus' presence, if they had not presented this issue to him, if they had not came and asked his input, uh, they would have missed this miracle. They would not have participated in a supernatural multiplication of food. And so many times we miss what it is that God is saying because we haven't even stopped for a minute to ask His input, to ask for His direction. Um, And I must say, 
uh, we are privileged to be surrounded by very wise people, uh, very experienced people. We are part of a, a, a wonderful church network who has broken ground in ways that we are doing church across the country and even in the world. And a lot of people are following and joining us and saying what we are doing is great. Um, but there is still the risk that we can rely on that, on that history, on that past um, actions and miss what it is that Jesus wants us to do. And many times, and if I uh, want to touch on, on the word of, of disappointment that was brought up this morning in the, in the worship and what God is busy dealing with me at the, at the moment is there have been times that I have failed to obey Him because I am afraid that He won't come through, that He won't do, that He won't feed five or 4,000 people with the five loaves of bread and the two fish. I'm too afraid to bring those five loaves and two fish because I'm afraid He's not going to do the miracle. And what what God is showing to me is my, my lack of obedience has caused me to hear him less. As, and, and, and Jesus has this way of the less you obey him, the less you, you start to hear him. As you start to obey, open your heart, soften your heart to what he is saying, um, you will start to hear him more and more. And, and God is really working in that uh, disappointment in my heart. And I could think of a... You know, if a, a quick example of one that, that came up recently again was um, I was in Moscow. I lived in Moscow for a short while. And um, the idea was we were going to go in there. We we're going to make, you know, get relationships going. People are going to get saved. And then we're going to plant a church. You know, and, you know, and I'm the one that God is using, you know, to bring about this wave of, you know, Christian revival in, in Moscow. And... Um, and you know, it is incredibly difficult. Um, number, just the, the number of relationships. Um, and I just don't think it is what God was doing for us at that moment in time. But there was a disappointment in my heart, you know. There was a hope that I had laid up. And we sang that song, you know, God will, will never let you down. And I think that that sense of disappointment was an idol that I had placed for myself, an idol that I had developed in my mind, an ideal, uh, a goal, a thing that was, uh, I was chasing instead of chasing God. And that was, was led to the disappointment. God didn't disappoint me. My, what I was valuing, what I wanted to achieve, that disappointed me. And God used that moment to bring me back to what is the most important, to a true value, and that is loving Him and feeding His people. Um, and I must say, it was a very difficult process. <laughs> um, it's very difficult dealing with those issues of the heart where you tell him, I think this, you know, this is what we need to do. You know, this is how God's going to do it. Da -da 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 -da. And, the, and the feedback is just, no, no, we don't see it. You know, it's, it's not going to happen. You know, it's not working. Um, it's very difficult dealing with those issues of the heart. And I must say, I don't think I went through it very well. Like, 
Like going, so when God takes you to a low place, um, you know, the response that it evokes from me isn't the most godly. <laughs> it's not the, uh, you, you guys shouldn't look up to that. <laughs> and, um, and I think the mistake, you know, the mistake that we often make um, in taking people along a journey, you know, when, when other people are in your midst, when you've got people that you are, are leading and guiding and discipling, they are going to go through those journeys as well. And I'm going to be honest with you, they're probably not going to respond as Jesus did. They're not going to perhaps have, you know, they're not going to go through it, you know, wow, this is amazing, you know, this is great. God is dealing with the issues of my heart. God is, God is dealing with anger inside of me and, and it's just, you know, it's just, so, it's just so easy and, you know, it has nothing to do with my pride, you know, it's just so, I'm just so humble and this is great and God can just do this whenever he wants to. It's like being on an operating table without anesthesia. Uh, God can sometimes really get into the places um, that really hurt. But it's a good place for us to be. And as we go through those times, as we go through um, the processes that God is uh, busy with in our lives, sometimes the experience is um, suffering. But going through those processes and getting to the other side is eternal and it's joyful. And that's where God performs the miracles in those moments, in those deep moments. So I encourage you, don't. Don't jump out. Don't get off of the operating table. Um, God is still busy with you. And most important, it helps to have others around you who've been in that same space. And if you do see someone, one of your brothers or sisters who are in that place, and they're squirming and they're kicking and screaming, we need to have understanding and love and compassion. Because I'm telling you, I've been in that place. And I was kicking and screaming. And Ruan was there, and Cassie and Fritz, and everyone was there for me, you know, to, to make sure that I stayed through the process, um, that, I, that I went through it, and that I found God in the wrestle. Because in those moments, you can either find God or harden your heart towards God. And He wants us to, to find Him in those processes. Kicking and screaming. And so, as we work, walk with God, as we want to feed those around us with spiritual food, um, we're going to come to God and we're going to say, Lord, I've got this person. Um, he's swearing, he's drinking, you know, he's a, but I know you want to save him. Lord, I'm going to just, I'm going to send him a video, you know, of someone else explaining the gospel to him. That's what I'm going to do. And then God, Jesus comes in and he says, no, you tell them. You go tell them your story. That's exactly the same sort of principle that's being displayed here. Disciples came to Jesus and they're saying, we've got a problem. Here's the solution. You know, and, and God comes in and gives his perspective. And let's just read um, let's read verse 16. Jesus replied, they do not need to go away. 
you give them something to eat. And this morning, for every single person here in Christ, God, if you are following Jesus, if He is in your vicinity, if He is in your presence, you have, you will be led by Him if you give Him the space, and you will be able to give them something to eat. And it will not be, it will not be a, just a good idea. It will not just be another a theory. It will not just be another philosophy. It won't be good psychological advice. It's going to be spiritual food. And, and the, the key for us here is we need to feed them Jesus. We need to give them Jesus. And I could tell you now, we could listen to everyone, you know, we could sit with you, we can have coffee with you, we could talk about all your, your problems, and I'm pretty sure I will have good solutions for you. But I'll give you those solutions and walk away and nothing happens. And I'm pretty sure everyone around has good advice. But the, old, the, the more difficult skill is how do you, in those conversations, lead people to a spiritual food, to the eternal food, and that's to Jesus Christ himself. How do you point people to him? I can't give you the answer because Jesus, uh, <laughs> um, Jesus has a way of, obviously there are principles, good principles that apply, but I felt specifically not to give good principles this morning, but to, to, so that you will be stuck, that you will be frustrated in the situation where you are praying, you need to, you need to hear his voice. You need to be led by him. You need to hear Jesus saying, you feed them. You tell them. You serve them. You give X, Y, Z to them. You pray for them. You heal them. We need to be hearing Jesus say these things. And I heard it, I was listening to a, a, a preach and I heard Get the guy's name. Um, anyways. But he was saying that our cult um, idols always disappoint the worshiper of the idol. So if you, if you are worshiping an idol for rain, this wooden object, and you're asking it for rain, it, it's probably not going to give you rain. It's going to disappoint you. Um, and so in our cultures... Um, our cultures are developed and formed around certain idols of that culture. Um, and for us in a Western society, we don't particularly have immutable objects that we are worshipping. Like, like we don't put up, you don't drive down the road and, and see an idol to the sun god, for example, or a totem pole or anything like that. Um, our idols are very... Um, What's the right word? Intangible. You can't, you know, you can't, so principles. So um, one of them in our culture is productivity. Would you agree? It's the only way we got all these things right, like building roads and infrastructure and, you know, and now we're developing and artificial intelligence. These things are all, 
they thrive on the principle of productivity. The more productive they are, the faster they work, the more you can get done, the more you can achieve. Uh, this is very intertwined with our culture that we are born and raised in. Uh, and the way, if you don't believe me, uh, the way, a very simple way of being assured that it is a, an idol is many times when I, uh, you ask somebody, how are they doing? What's the first thing that they say? I'm busy. I'm busy. Okay? And, and then often you'll get, sometimes you'll get people who feel like they're just not doing enough. Like, I'm busy. I'm busy the whole time. But it, it's just a never-ending cycle. And that thing, that pr productivity idol is letting them down. It's not God that's letting them down. You know, you're not, you're not busy because and not doing enough because God is letting you down. You're busy and not doing enough because our culture has idolized productivity over withdrawing to a lonely place for six hours to pray. You know, that is not commonplace. That is very hard to do because we've been, we've been trained the other way. Um, we are trained to manage our time. You know, so everything needs to have a block. And you can't go over that block. It's in the calendar. You can't do this now. This is what the calendar says. This is what you need to do now. And I, all these things are important because this is a, still a society we live in. So when I go back to work on Monday, I'm still going to open up my calendar and work according to the appointments and the, uh, the time I've set out for certain things. That, it works. <laughs> okay. But we cannot confuse that with um, the blessing and the favor of God. If you have not been productive enough that, that day, it does not mean that God doesn't bless you and love you. Right? That's an idol that we've set up in our culture to achieve. Um, and it will let you down. I guarantee you, uh, if, that is, your, if that, is, that is not a kingdom culture, ultimate efficiency and productivity is not a kingdom culture. It is a Western culture. And yes, there are redeemable aspects of it in the kingdom of God, but that is not, that is not a, a kingdom culture. It will let you down. It will disappoint you. If you sing that song, God, you will never let me down, and you feel let down, it's probably because your hope is misdirected um, into idols and, and, and your culture of the day. And God, Jesus, will come and break that culture if you are close to Him. He will come and break it. He will come and tell you things that go against your culture. He will come and tell you to do things uh, that will perhaps be opposed to what is common practice, uh, to what is the best thing to do in that case. And then, so Jesus in verse 16 says, you know, they don't need to go home, you feed them. And I always saw it as a negative thing, but now I actually see it's positive. Uh, but the disciples brought what they had. They then went, you know, they said, Jesus said to them, you feed them. So they're like, okay, let's go, let's see what we have. And they got together all that they could find 
and it was, ended up being five loaves and two fish. I always confuse the two. So if I ever say five fish and two loaves, please forgive me. But uh, it's like my wife's birthday. Is it the 9th of September or the 10th of I don't know. Because 10 and 9, it's just they're always there. Yeah, but I have to choose the, the right one first. <laughs> uh, and, and they brought what they had. So you're going to be confronted. You're, gonna, you're, gonna t- you're walking with people. You're discipling. You've, people are around you. You, you know, there's someone that needs to be, that's not saved. And you're trusting God for them. And God is going to say, you tell them. And you're going to tell God, God, I, I can't talk. I can't tell someone. I cannot convey the gospel. I, I don't know all the details. I don't know what propitiation means and sanctification. And I can't explain justification. You know, and all. Da, 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 da. And Jesus in that moment says to you, bring what you have. You know, how many fish and loaves of bread did they need to feed 4,000 people? Let's say, let's say 4,000. So they had seven out of 4,000. I don't know what the odds are. 0.000 something. That's how much they contributed to the situation. So if the faith of a mustard seed, if you've got 0.01% of what you need, God can use you. So if you could say God loves you, He can use you. Being led by Him in His presence, if Jesus is telling you to do that thing, the impact is going to be way much more than what you bring to the table. So what an awesome picture that the disciples, Jesus told them to do something impossible, and then they went out and they they gathered what they had. And God wants every single person sitting here, no matter who you are, how far you are on your journey with the Lord, you have, somewhere in you, you've got that 0.01% that God wants to use. And being led by Him, He's going to use it in a miraculous way. So, and they allowed God to have the final say about the situation. So in your journey, you're walking with people, they need to be fed, they need to be led by you in Jesus, allow him to have the final say. And then the last thing I want to point out, you know, Jesus, so they bring the, the fish and the loaves to him. He multiplies it. And then here's the key. He gives it, he doesn't go and give it to everyone. He gives it out to the disciples and the disciples go and give it out um, to the people. And Jesus has this way of creating out of nothing. Creates the earth and then he gives it to us to steward. He gives it to us to, to plant and to, to multiply and to you know, make it fruitful. In the same way, he performs, a mirac- he performs miracles through us. He does supernatural things through us, using us as the, you know, the medium through which he impacts the world. And on top of that, they picked up 12 baskets. So there was, you know, who, who, where did that go? I'm pretty sure the disciples at first, you know, they were the ones picking up the, the leftovers. I'm pretty sure they, you know, had their bags. And, and God will bless you 
as you are leading others and you're praying for others and they get healed, you will be blessed. God will bless you through the miracles that He performs in other people's lives. Um, we just need to be there where He is. We just need to be, if He's on the mountain, we need to be there. If He's in the valley, we need to be there. If He's on the boat, we need to be there. If He is walking on water, we need to be there. And that's what, I'm going to read Revelation 2. Uh, from, let's do from verse 2. It says, it says to the church in Ephesus, I know your works, your toil and your patient endurance, and you, how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and found them to be false. I think if we were to talk about Josh, Jen, and Paul, you know, what, what would we say? We know that you guys can worship God. We know that we can sing songs to God. We know that we can organize a wonderful birthday celebration. We know that a lot of you will be at communities on Wednesday, and every one of you will attend a meeting on a Sunday, at least all of you that are here today. You know, we know, we know that you love one another. We know that you've given sacrificially of your finances to, to benefit each other. We know that you've been through extremely difficult times and still you love God. Or maybe I'd... Verse 3. I know you're enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake and you have not grown weary. You've not, we've not given up on following God. Verse 4. But I have this against you that you have abandoned the love you had at first. And it's just such an incredible paradox to me is you can do the things of God God can approve of what you are doing but he can still have this thing against you the next in verse 5 he tells us to consider remember therefore from where you have fallen repent and do the works you did at first and and I think this is where we need to the message today is we need to get to this place. Is that we, we are a congregation. We've journeyed together. We've built up a sense of this is how we do things. This is who we are. There could be some things that we automatically just do. In leading one another in our communities, there are certain best practices. In, um, with our colleagues and with our friends and family, you know, what's the best way to reach out to them? You know, you, we, could, we could send you a video you could send on. To, there's incredible material out there. But is it, is it based, is it coming from the Word of God, from the mouth of Jesus? Is He feeding you so that you can feed others? And we need to come to a place again where we love, if you love Jesus, if you are in love with Jesus, if you are surrounded and enveloped with the love of Jesus, you will be able to feed his sheep. If we consider where we have come from, if we consider in our hearts, God, where, where am I at the moment? 
Do I love you, God? Do I love Jesus? Is my life prioritized around loving Jesus? And I don't want to prescribe to you today what that looks like. I think in your heart, you know what it means for you to be loving Jesus. Jesus tells Peter after he betrays him, do you love me? Peter says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And then Jesus says, feed my sheep. The basis of us leading and guiding people um, sharing the gospel with them needs to come from a place of loving Jesus. I think I would go so far as to say if you do not love Jesus, that he would not want you to feed his sheep. And so, Lord, Lord God, God, I know, Lord, Lord, I know, God, how easily distracted my heart is, Lord. I know, God, how easily I prioritize things that are fun, entertaining, things that could make me more money, and escape from, from suffering, Lord. Lord, I know how easily my heart strays, God from loving you, Lord, from a simple devotion to Jesus Christ, Lord. Lord, I know that I have not prioritized withdrawing to a lonely place so that I can pray and be with you, Lord. Lord, and I want to come before you, God, and just say, Father, I'm sorry, God. Lord, it, it cannot go on this way, Lord. Lord, and for our hearts, Lord God, Lord, I pray, God, Lord, that you would redirect our hope, Lord God, redirect our hope from, from the values and the cultures of our day, Lord God, redirect our hope to be where Jesus is, Lord, may our treasure be where you are, Jesus Christ, Lord, may you be our treasure, Lord God. May you be the thing that our, the one that our heart seeks, Lord God. Lord, and I know each and every one of us sitting here, Lord God, I know deep down inside there is a, a deep and true desire to love you, Jesus. I know everybody wants to Walk, stand up here and walk away, God, knowing that they love you, Lord. Knowing that there, there's a burning desire to love you more, God, and to do things that are pleasing to you, Lord. I know each and every one of us wants that, Lord God. Lord, and for God, I want to come and pray against all the disappointments in some of our hearts, Lord God. In, in your heart, if there's a disappointment that is stopping you from loving Jesus, I want you to bring that before him this morning. And I want you to speak directly to Jesus and to bring it before him and to say, Jesus, this is that thing, Lord.
And Father, I pray that right now that thing will be paralyzed, Lord God. That it will be destroyed in that person's life. That it will be inactive, Lord. Inable to, to hold on, Lord, and continue to, to cripple, Lord, um, your beloved son and daughter, Lord. Lord, come and deliver us this morning, Lord. Come and deliver us, Lord God, from those snares that so easily entangle us, Lord God. Lord, come and expel from us, Lord God, holding places, Lord God, strongholds in our lives that stop us from loving you, Jesus. Lord, no one to leave here this morning, Lord God, disabled from a simple devotion to Christ, Lord. But every single one, Lord, enabled, Lord, to simply devote themselves to loving you, Jesus. Lord God, I pray, God, that each and every one of us, Lord God, will be marked um, by the fragrance, Lord, of loving Jesus. Lord, there is nothing as precious as a person who loves Jesus. There is nothing as loving as a person who loves Jesus. Lord, and I pray that above all, all culture in us, Lord God, all idols in us, Lord God, that the love of Jesus will take center stage, Lord God, that every other thing, every other value will topple, Lord God, as we raise up the value of loving you, Jesus. God, we want to love you, Lord. Jesus, we want to love you. In Jesus' name. Lord, let it be. Let it be. Lord, can we just imagine for a minute what it would be like if we loved you in the best way that we know. We loved you in the, in the way that we know you want us to love you, Lord. Can you imagine how we would be with one another? Can you imagine how we would be with our our loved ones and our sons and our daughters and our colleagues, Lord. Lord, let it be, God. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Sean. Maybe a practical way for some of you is to take 30 minutes or 15 minutes tonight. If you've got a, you want to go to bed at 9, just stay 5 or 15 minutes up later. Just pray. Go sit in a quiet corner in the house. Maybe the bathroom is the only quiet corner for you. But just go be there. And just give your heart. Sit before. And, uh, and practice that. That's the action that you give to the heart's desire. Some of you, maybe 30 minutes. 45 minutes. Just, just give God that. And let it be. Let it still, Joe. I came here this morning and um, Nalika prayed for my eyes. And um, we all sat here, and when you asked to put up your hand so that we can pray for you, I didn't have the courage to put up my hand. And I sat there, and I prayed for my wife. I prayed for Nalika's words, prayed for the kids, prayed for my boss and the company that I work for. And this little voice came into my head and said, Jock, open your spiritual eyes and keep them focused on God, and all the natural things will fall in place. So thanks for that prayer. Amen. Beautiful. Beautiful. Amen. Amen. It's beautiful, man. The Lord is so kind, huh?
He's so kind to us. So I hope you have a great day. Um, lastly, guys, I'm going to send out a little pamphlet. They would have had a slide ready today, but they didn't. So the 24th of April, that weekend, we have a camp, men's camp, 18+. plus. So we mentioned that last week, but just put out those dates. I'll send a note a little uh, today to all the guys, and uh, we're going to have a camp together for that. All right, for the Winelands guys, yeah. But it will be Paul, Wooster, Bonnyvale, and Tilbach, those uh, churches that can gather together. All right. So, guys, have a great day. Hey? No, no, no. It's different from the Warrior Poets. So, Warrior Poets is in, um, in Sunningdale. It's like a more conferency type. And then this one will be a camp away in Tilbach. Uh, a genuine camp. <laughs> Tent in the dorms. All right. Guys, have a great day. Hope you let the wonderlijke week. Bless you.